0: Friends, this morning's scripture reading has one edit in it. It is the book of Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 20, but we're reading through verse 34. For those who diligently read the scripture beforehand, you wondered, why did Pastor Edwin stop it at verse 24 before it even mentions midnight? Well, that's because it's through 34. So friends, with that, Let us listen to the word of God. When they had brought them before the magistrates, this is Paul and Silas, they said, these men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night he took them and he washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, Speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak through us. Spirit of the living God, speak in spite of us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, whose name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had an about midnight experience just at about midnight that you remember? Maybe it was the first time you stayed out after midnight, maybe to see a film, maybe coming back from prom, or like so many did last night, counting until the clock strikes midnight and the apple or the orange or something drops and people say, all together now, Happy New Year. Midnight is an interesting concept. It assumes the cycle of dusk until dawn and it's roughly in the middle of it. The middle of darkness, right in the middle of the night, is a new day. Hence, the clock strikes 12 and we cheer on at least one night each year. Which, at about midnight, Do you remember? Maybe the exam you were cramming for, memorizing the elements of the periodic table or Latin phrases for biology or the revolving theory for calculus, things which some of us still don't understand. At about midnight, facing an 8 a.m. test, you wondered if you'd remember any of this, if you could even cover most of the material in your study. Or maybe a more joyful memory One year, for my birthday, I took a midnight hike in Guatemala up the Santa Maria Volcano, which is in Quetzaltenango, the steepest volcano in Central America, measuring about 12,375 feet. It was challenging and fun to climb up under the moonlight for about six hours. It wasn't as fun to climb down after the sunrise. But there are other about midnight experiences. The time when I sat in the waiting room of a hospital because my cousin had just been in a car accident and he was holding on to dear life. We were all praying, hoping for good news when at about midnight, the doctor gave us the news we weren't eager to hear. The thing about midnights is that they're the darkest time of the night. You are hours from light in most places, and when you're at a hospital bed or grieving, when you're waiting to get word about a loved one, when you need to make decisions about your life, or home, or education, career, relationship, and children, it seems that about midnight, the darkest of times, there's also darkness inside you. Darkness as to a lack of clarity. What should be done in this given circumstance? Darkness in the sense of feeling lost. What do I do now after the change, after the pain, after the loss? Darkness in the sense of hope. Will there be anything good that comes my way again? Will I ever see the light? In the historic black church experience, which makes the American expression of Christian faith all the richer, there is a tradition on New Year's Eve to celebrate New Year's Eve with a service known as Watch Night. The historical service started in 1862 when African Americans gathered in churches and homes anxiously waiting to find out if the Emancipation Proclamation had indeed become law, making January 1st, 1863 the day they would gain their freedom. A people in darkness and enslaved saw the dawn of a new day and with it emancipation from slavery at about midnight." There's also the famous Christmas truce. At about midnight, minutes into the Christmas day, the majority of German troops engaged in World War I ceased firing their guns and artillery and commenced to sing Christmas carols. This was completely unauthorized by officials. In fact, their superiors would later punish some of them. At about midnight, they celebrated on Christmas. In each of these cases, when the light came, the pain continued, the war continued, discrimination continued, but something had broken through just about at midnight. In our text today, Paul and Silas experience a midnight. Beaten and bruised, they have found their journey to be full of criticism. Attacks, we're told in verse 22 that the crowd joined in in attacking them. People that might not even have heard them or listened to them or known anything about them suddenly were joining in on the attack. They're stripped of their clothing, they're beaten with rods, a severe flogging, and then they're thrown in prison. In fact, scholars believe Paul was so injured by any number of arrests and beatings, he felt that it is why he has other people write his letters on his behalf. So gnarled were his fingers, so turned into himself was his body. This was a severe flogging. They're put in prison and we're told that at about midnight, they start singing. Now, I've always wondered, is it because Paul and Silas were just so deeply spiritual that we, we could never be like that? If we were in a situation such as theirs, would we also be singing singing? But see, I wonder if Paul and Silas aren't singing so much because uh, they have a smile on their face and they feel no pain and they just keep on keeping on. I wonder if they're not singing out of a sense of despair because if they weren't singing, they'd be giving up. If they weren't praying, they would be giving in. If they weren't reminding one another of the story they would in fact be down and out. And so they're singing. They're singing and they're praying. And the prisoners were listening to them. Now, again, just before you think Paul and Silas, they're just so righteous, that's why they're doing all these things. Uh, I knew a man once, his name was Richard Smith. I'd visit him just out of seminary, i just recently ordained, and I'd visit him and he'd always offer me an encouraging word. Pastor Edwin, you're doing a great job. I don't care what they say behind your back. (laughs) And then I wondered, who's saying what behind my back? (laughs) Every single time I showed up at his house, he'd always have this smile on his face and an encouraging word. You're doing a great job, keep on going. He found himself in the hospital once, and I visited him there, and I expected to see someone forlorn, depressed, and instead, that same smiling face, hey, Pastor Edwin, how are you? I hope you're going well, keep on keeping on. I wondered, where did he get his joy? I visited him in the hospital about three more times for three separate hospitalizations, and finally, the last hospitalization before his death. I came in after he had heard the news from his doctors that there was nothing else they could do. After his family had said their goodbyes, I came in to see him expecting once again, finally, someone forlorn and depressed. I did see a difference. He couldn't speak as loudly. He couldn't hold himself up so high in the bed. I had to come in close but I remember his words. Pastor Edwin, how are you? Keep on keeping on, you're doing a great job. And then he said, I wanna plan my funeral. And I said, Richard, not yet, not, not yet. And he said, no, no, I, I wanna plan my funeral because Pastor Edwin, I don't want one of those cry baby funerals, no, not me. I'm a veteran. I've survived many things, and God has been good to me. No, no, Pastor Edwin. I don't want one of those sad funerals. I want a funeral where we worship God, because Pastor Edwin, I've had a good life. I've been blessed, and I know where I'm going. I turned for a moment so that he wouldn't see my tears, because his faith His faith has shown me that my faith needed work. That someone with so much faith and joy could have such an effect on others. When he passed away at that funeral, I told this story. And people who knew him said, that's just like him. He wasn't Paul or Silas. You haven't read any of his epistles. You've never heard about any books written about his theology. But that man was a man of deep and abiding and great faith. He had memorized Psalm 23 to self-soothe. He would sing songs. Great is thy faithfulness. How great thou art to remind himself of the story. You see, so much of this time is how we look back at the year, at how things have gone. And so much of it relies on how we tell that story. Was the story about failure and disaster and hurt and pain? Was it just about loss, grief, and despair? Or do we find a way to reframe that story, which is what Paul and Silas are doing? They know they're in prison. They know they've been flogged. They know that they're in pain. They're not escaping the pain. In fact, we're told that when, when their chains are broken and the jail doors open, they aren't even trying to escape. They're not escaping their pain or their problem. They're facing it head on. And the way they're doing that is by reframing the story reminding themselves of God's faithfulness, that it doesn't end at midnight. It doesn't end in the darkness, it doesn't end with pain and despair, that there is still something God is working out, yes, even at midnight, perhaps best of all at midnight, when God does God's work. So they reframe the story. And as they're singing and praying as I've mentioned the chains fall and the doors open and there is their escape. But then we realize that they weren't so concerned about their circumstances. See, that's just the moment as we look at new year at a new year where Paul could have said new year new me baby here I come. A miracle. Chains broken, jail doors open. And he walks out. The story could have ended there. Am I right? I mean, really, the book of Acts, chapter 16, the story could have ended there. We'd still talk about it. It's a pretty neat story. It's a fun story of Paul and Silas being liberated and freed from prison, but it doesn't end there. No. They are so grounded in their faith that not only are their chains broken, but the chains of the other prisoners, we're told, also come loose. They are so free in their faith in Christ Jesus that they begin to free others. In fact, they are so grounded in their faith that their focus becomes not their circumstances alone, that they're in pain and that they've suffered an injustice and that they're imprisoned, but they turn to the circumstances of others the prison guard who should be their enemy. Paul turns to him and shouts, do not harm yourself. We are all here. And finally, at the end of this scene, just when we think there could be revenge, which is what any listener or reader of this story in Paul's time would have thought, here comes the vengeance. Instead, there is reconciliation. There is forgiveness. There is a new life, an entire household, that of the prison guard who should be their enemy also becomes free. There's so much to this story, so much we could say, but this is what I want you to take away as we look to the new year. Reframe your story reframe it through the singing of hymns reframe it through prayer reframe it through the devotional life reframe it in this worshiping community in your small groups and at bible study reframe your story whatever you're going through or have gone through or will face these situations and circumstances don't end in the darkest of the dark they don't end At about midnight, reframe your story. And in reframing your story, be so grounded in your faith that others, others receive a blessing from your witness. Even in the midst of your suffering and pain, even with the loss that others might be blessed despite your circumstances. That in reframing your story and being so grounded in your faith that you are not simply concerned with your own circumstances, with your own problems, that you see only the things that go poorly in your life, but that you also become aware and develop a compassion for the circumstances of others. Others imprisoned in body, in mind, And in spirit, in this new year, reframe your story. Be so grounded in your faith that you're a blessing to others. Focus on the circumstances of others as well, not just your own. And finally, that in so doing, God will be at work. God is at work to reconcile one another. To free one another, no matter the midnight you have faced. Maybe it's been the midnight of a bad reputation. Maybe the midnight of severe criticism, a change in relationship status, something affecting your career. Wondering if the friends you have are indeed genuine friends or fair-weather friends. Wondering if you are indeed loved, if you are worthy of love wondering if you will ever find someone to love, struggling with sickness and despair, struggling with all sorts of circumstances. Friends, remember the story doesn't end at about midnight for the light promises to break through, the light of God's love, the light of God's hope, the light of God's faith, the light of God's peace, the light of God's joy. The light, the light that has come to us in Christ Jesus at Christmas, at about midnight. It's a new day. Will you receive it? It's a new year. Will you receive it? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.